In this episode, we hear from Sarah Shine and Jamie Thistleton. They're going to talk about how to thrive through change. Let's get into it right now. Welcome to Professional Learning, the podcast that's all about sparking courageous exploration. Each week, we'll be diving into a range of topics to prepare and embed our Book of Dreams work. We'll be exploring the skills and strategies in order to implement these ideas. So, Jamie, thank you for joining me today. Um, we've got the joy of talking about change, and we know that change is the only constant in life, don't we? Um, and currently at our school, we're going through some pretty transformational change. And I think that um, as leaders, we've been on this journey perhaps a little bit more for the last 18 months and really mindful of how the change has maybe made us feel. So I think we'd just like to acknowledge that change does make you have feelings and, and those feelings aren't always the same. And we might have from this episode some top tips to help us thrive through change. Yeah, absolutely, Sarah. I think, as you said, we've been going through change in the leadership team um, for the last year, and it's certainly brought up lots of emotions for us. And I think what's helped is being able to talk about it too and see, you know, um, how each of us is feeling. And it's quite comforting to know that we are both usually feeling the same. Um, and then it's actually really normal to feel anxious or to feel about sick or to be just have your, your stress to heightened a little bit in these situations. Um, as a leadership team, we always plan really carefully for the change. But sometimes I think we don't think about ourselves in this and we don't think about what we can be doing to be able to actually get through it better, but not just get through it, but actually thrive through it as well and, and flourish, as we always say. I think that's a really good point, Jamie. It's um, as always, we are busy. Schools are busy places and there's always stuff going on. And as teachers, we're not always very good at putting ourselves at the top of the to-do list. So I think what we're, we're encouraging listeners to do today is to really pause, acknowledge that we are going through change, be okay with uh, understanding that this change is going to make us feel, have feelings, um, may provoke emotions, and that they may not be the same as a friend or a peer in the department. But actually, if we pause and take a moment, there are some things that we can do to help ourselves can we talk a bit more about that, please, Jamie? Um, absolutely, we can. And there's so many things we can do. But I think before we get into looking at like the top tips for how to get through it, it'd be really interesting to go through what the brain is actually doing when we're feeling the emotions we feel when we go through change. And for us to be able to understand that, I think that will really help us then when we go to the tips to be able to implement them. I think that's great. You're taking me back to school. I'm predicting that you're taking me to my psychology and perhaps my science classes. Yeah, and it's probably not anything you haven't heard before, to be fair. So basically, there's two different parts of the brain. And we've talked a little bit about this in coaching, but the brain doesn't necessarily help us when we're going through change because it is pretty much geared up to go to the negative and not the positive. And there's some science behind that. And I'm by no means an expert in this, but um, there's one side of the brain that's called the amygdala. And what it does is it scans for any safety or danger and it perceives an emotion to go with that. So that is what it is. It's basically the, the fight, flight or freeze response, which I'm sure you know most of us have heard of before. It's really important, Jamie, just to cut in there, sorry, but it's really important, you know, in, in the olden days, in caveman times, we needed that, didn't we? You know, you're getting chased by a tiger, you need to work out whether you're going to fight or run, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. But 
um, coming into school every day is not hopefully a life or death situation. So like we should not feel like that. So, um, you know, and we would have seen it before in our colleagues. We would have seen it before in the students that we teach. But what that looks like is us running in fear, being stuck in denial or just fighting against the situation. Um, and it's not a situation that anyone wants to be in because it's what we can call survival mode. And when you're in that survival mode, you are not going to be working towards any goals. So basically what it does is it makes us really resistant to change. It makes us a lot less creative. It means that we're probably not in a frame of mind to be flexible or to complete teamwork or just to be positive in general. And it certainly, as I said before, doesn't help us to be working towards our goals, which is as teachers and teams, we're always doing. So I think it's really important to understand and be able to identify in ourselves when we might be in the situation where we're either in that fight, flight or freeze mode. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you're right. Uh, you said there were two parts of the brain that affected the way that we responded to change. So thanks, Mr. Amygdala or Mrs. Amygdala. <laughs> I'm not really enjoying the instinctive reaction there. But what else does the yeah. brain do to us? Well, funny you say that. And just before I go on to the second part of the brain, I would just say, too, that there are actually physiological effects that go with it, that fight, flight or freeze. And you might notice it as just feeling a bit sick, feeling nauseous or whatever. But what it is, is actually your digestive system starting to shut down. And it's just one of many things that can happen. So it's, I think it's really important that we can recognize that and be able to do something about it. And hopefully the top tips I share with you later will help. But just to remember that if you are in that situation or you think a, a colleague is in that situation to reach out and you know we can see what we can do to help you. And that's really important, Jamie, because it is it's very similar to definitely at the primary campus, what we teach the kids to notice, name and understand their feelings. But if you're saying there that it's got physiological impact, mm. it's really important that we are aware of that and that we do, we are proactive to notice it. And I like what you said there about noticing it in a colleague mm. uh, and being, you know, looking after each other. Yeah, sometimes I think it might be easier to see it in someone else than what it is to recognize it in yourself as well. So if we all work together and if you think someone might be in this, ask them how they are, you know, see what we can do to support. And again, if um, if it's even further down the line, you know, we, we have members of the community and outside of the community that can help as well. But anyway, moving on to the second part of the yeah, brain. Yeah. So we've talked about the amygdala. The second part is the cortex and that's the habit part of the brain. So it's the bit that likes habit. It likes keep doing things that it's always done or seeing the world how it always has. And what it does is sometimes it picks up the facts that it has. And we've all been here and we've all done this, I'm sure, is that you fill in the blanks. And it can usually, as I said, the brain is predisposed to thinking negatively. It usually fills the blanks with negative thoughts. So you can come up with all of these amazingly negative stories about what might happen. I'm sure you've You've experienced that before, I know I have. Yeah, it reminds me of that ladder of inference theory. You know, you see mm. some, someone passes you on the corridor with a look yeah. and you immediately think, oh my God, they've just looked at me like that. Oh my God, they must think I'm incompetent. Oh my God. And by the time you've got to the toilet or for a coffee, you've got this whole world of, you know, perhaps prone to a little bit of catastrophizing. And it's knowing that to stop yourself when you, your brain starts thinking in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And if you know this and you know that that's what your brain's doing, you can really stop yourself immediately from yeah. doing that and you can look at the other side. And when we go through the top tips, 
I'm going to give you some ways to do that. Hey, that's, yeah, that's really good. Thank you. All right. Anything else we need to know about the brain? I don't think so. I think if you've got that stored. Okay. So, so that knowledge is going to help us now with your top tips to think about how we can help ourselves to train our brains, to look after ourselves as we go through change. I hope so. I hope so. And I really like how you said train your brain because it really is about that. Um, For example, they say that the ability to thrive in change, it's actually a skill and it's a little bit like a muscle. And you can do as much reading around being healthy and growing stronger muscles as you like, but it's not actually going to build your muscles. I wish it did, but it doesn't. And it's the same with um, going through change as well. So again, you can read all the theory, but unless you are actually practicing training your brain on a regular basis, it probably won't have an impact. So again, that's good to remember too, as we go through the top tips. Okay. So good, good, good heading habit there to think of. Right then. I'm really, I'm really curious about these ideas you're going to share with us now then, Jamie. So Top tip number one, please. Yes. So they're not rocket science, but they're all good to remember to help us through. And I just wanted to say before I go through them that um, I have sort of consolidated these from looking at the work of MJ Ryan, and she's a leading expert on change and human fulfillment. So those two things go really well with what we're talking about today. Um, She's written numerous books and papers on this issue as well. So you could look her up if you were interested in learning more. She has 20 top tips, I've distilled it into five. So the first one, and again, something you've heard before, focus on the solution, not the problem. And this is really about understanding what the change is, I think, because if you don't understand it, you're less likely to be able to accept it. And you might have to really think about here, do I agree with the change as well? why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? If it's not that I don't agree with it, is it just because I don't have um, some questions answered that I need? Is it because I feel like I don't have the skills or the knowledge or I'm just worried about making a mistake? So I think look at the solution, don't look at the problem. And if you're still feeling a bit icky about it, think about what specifically it is and then seek out that support that you need. I think that's really good. Seek out that support. As we said at the beginning, we've been on this kind of change, mm-hmm. change mounting for a long time now. And actually without seeking out clarification from different people in our in our team, I think I would have probably oh probably had all those um anxiety issues. So it is, it's about asking the right people the right questions to help you make sense of any change that you're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. All right, would you like to hear top tip number two? Yes, please. Again, something that we talk a lot about in coaching is to be open-minded. Don't waste your time and energy because as teachers, we are very busy people. We don't need to be wasting our time and energy where it's not gonna have impact or on blaming others. And again, I can't emphasize this enough, but the brain is predisposed to negativity. And most of us that are listening have probably done the coaching training where we talk about the reticular activation system. And if we remember about that, it's when you tell your brain to seek something out. So you might like to try this on your drive home from work, Sarah, look for all the blue cars or look for all the yellow cars. You might think "Mm, there's not many blue cars around. When you look for them, there's hundreds. Yeah, absolutely. So again, it works with positivity and negativity. If you look for the negative, you're going to find it. If you look for the positive, you're going to find it. So it's all about that training the brain, and um, just 
being open-minded to different things and not wasting your time and energy. Yeah, and noticing, noticing if you find yourself going down that slide of negativity, noticing, oh God. And just just another thing that you can do is you can just stop yourself and say, what, right, what am I grateful for today? What, what made me laugh today? What made me smile today? All these things we do with our kids, with our students all the time, but actually we're not always very kind to ourselves, are we? So that open-mindedness, reminding yourself to be open-minded, not get caught up in the, in the negative you know you're you are training your brain you are in charge you are controlling what you can control yeah well go on then any more to add on there well yeah you just made me think of something there Sarah when you said you know uh, go and do something that makes you smile because it is actually science if you remember before I said that first part of the brain the amygdala and it puts you in that stage where you feel unsafe with the fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. So what they say is if you find yourself in that, go and do something. They call it playing. So go and find something that you like doing. And basically what that tells your brain is that you're in a safe space. So while it seems very, very simple, there actually is um, neuroscience behind it. I love it. I love that there's science behind yeah. this. Many of us will have heard these top tips for well-being in various social media. Mm. Well-being is very big in our worlds right now, isn't it? But to to actually understand the science for these ideas is really helpful, Jamie. Really useful. So what I heard there was be open-minded. I'm, I'm putting some practices to help you keep open-minded. Okay. So the next one really moves on quite nicely from what we talked about is just to try and rewire your brain. Now that might sound tricky, but really it's about faking it till you make it. Okay. I'm sure you've heard that again, sounds really simple, but it all goes back to the brain science and it's that muscle that I talked about before. And what it does is when we keep making the habit and we train this muscle, then what it does is create new pathways and habits in our brain that help us to think in a particular way. So you will have to keep correcting yourself. You know, when we're talking about the ladder of inference before you find yourself being negative, immediately stop yourself, think in a positive way. And what happens is your brain will just pick up that habit and it will continue to do that. So, I mean, there's lots of different quotes. One that we use in the coaching training, um, Henry Ford, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right which I think is really quite powerful. And then Sharon Begley as well. She's got a whole book that's called Train Your Mind, Change Your Brain. And she says, as we act, we become. So that's where the fake it till you make it comes from. So it's not about being authentic in yourself as a person or anything like that, but it's just about creating positive habits. So we're saying be authentic in what you do, for sure be authentic in what you do. Sincerity is really important and people will see straight through you if you're not being sincere. But at the same time, to help yourself uh, practice and adopt these these positive mindsets, you might need to practice a little bit of fake it till you make it, until it comes in, becomes instinctive and feels natural. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk again in the coaching, so they're very tightly linked here, about how long it takes you to create a habit and break a habit. And we think maybe around six weeks either side. Um, so that's worth noting as well, that it's not going to happen overnight. You've actually made me think about when I did the mindfulness training, the course many, many years ago now, the full-on mindfulness training program. And I used to come away and I used to think, oh, I'm not very good at it. I'm just not very good at it. Mm. And it, it was that in the group I was in, there were a lot of people that were doing it to a much um, much more frequent and, and perhaps deeper level. But then I, I practiced kindness and I said, okay, I'm, I can't give it that amount of time every day. I'm not gonna start journaling. That doesn't work for me. Mm. But I can stop 
pause, notice when my heart's beating a little bit faster and practice my breathing. And sometimes I feel in schools, you know, I don't know if you ever race through your lunch and you're like, oh, and you get to the end, you feel, I actually feel quite sick. I need, uh, you know, it's the, what I learned from the mindfulness is about owning that and practicing, you know, the, the bits that work for you. So I know I'm much better now at pausing if things are a bit rushed and regulating my breathing. I know that I am, I'm much better at going for a walk and looking up and appreciating the birds and, and things like that. So it doesn't have to be full on to be useful, does it? These little practices can make a big impact, can't they? Absolutely. So small things can make big change. So try and implement small things to work towards that open-mindedness and positivity for sure. Right. Right. I keep We keep digressing, Jamie. This is such a fascinating topic. So... Um, where are we at now? What top tip? All right. Top tip number four, which is to look at the opportunities that the change could bring you. So it's to sit back and think, okay, if this change was to be implemented, what can I actually learn here? What can I do differently? What might the opportunities be? Yeah, that's great. And, you know, it's really worth adding in that there's, there's going to be so much professional learning that comes from all of our book of dreams work whichever dream at the, at the time of, of um, recording we don't know which dream will be selected but we know that we have got lots of very exciting professional learning ahead of us and what I would say on that one for listeners is to remember what you said at the beginning is seek the information out mm. so uh, I know in schools it's like you might not know what you don't know but but be confident. We encourage everyone to be brave and to be confident, to talk to the people around them, to talk to your line manager about how might I learn more on this? Is there anything I could do to learn a bit more on this? Yeah, absolutely. And it just goes back to our purpose statement too. And, you know, being courageous yeah. and, you know, we've got to be modeling this to each other, not just the students, but to each other as well. And we need to be praising everybody for having a go, whether things work or whether they don't work. Yeah, and, and you and I are working with another group of people on creating the new professional learning platform. And, and we would appreciate feedback. So if there's something that people notice that would be useful for them to help them make sense of the Book of Dream work, let us know and we can, we can look to create it. Yeah, great. All right, we're nearly there, are we? Top tip number five. All right, top tip number five, something that teachers are actually pretty terrible at, I would oh, no. say. Oh no. oh, no. I know, sounds bad, doesn't it? But it is to celebrate themselves. Okay, so actually stopping, reflecting, and looking at the positives. I know from being a leader when you, you know, you do lesson observations or learning walks and you you ask the teacher, how did you think that went? 90% of the time, probably higher, they go to the negative. I didn't do this, I should have done that. So what we need to do is stop doing that. Again, rewire the brain, think about the positives, you know, what have I done that's actually worked really well? celebrate it and do it on a regular basis and again that will perform those positive habits um yeah you know that we'd like to do we're really really good at doing it for other people terrible at doing it for ourselves so yeah, yeah. It, you say we're good at doing it for other people but i wonder actually how much we do celebrate in our peer groups when we're having a coffee how much we do sort of say well done thank you and, and it's about being sincere in that isn't it and you know, we talk about effective feedback and I think we're probably very good at celebrating it for the students in our care but I wonder how much we do celebrate for ourselves and for our peers and, and what you said it's about helping each other to practice that so be authentic don't please don't start teasing each other with oh well done you're such a great talker or such like but but I think you're right Jamie pause and be kind to ourselves and celebrate 
yeah. yeah, I think we need to consider that for ourselves. And it's very easy to let let that slide, but it actually will have a really positive um, impact on us. And, you know, we need to stop and see how far we've come sometimes. We're doing a lot of work all the time and there is a lot to celebrate. So what a great one to end on there, Jamie. So as we wrap up now, I think what the message what I'm hearing from you, given us five top tips there to help ourselves thrive through change. We, we know that change is going to provoke emotions. You know, two of us will have the same lens or experience of change, but what we're trying to encourage people to do is pause and look after themselves, be kind to themselves. We're also encouraging our community to look after each other uh, and be brave and be open-minded and all these ideas that you've shared with us. So hopefully, listeners, there are some reminders because as you said Jamie I'm not sure I did learn a lot from the science intro at the beginning but uh, there are lots of reminders of practical things that we can do to look after ourselves as we go on our, our future journey with the change ahead all right would you like me to summarize those for you that, Sarah that would be a really good idea yeah all right so we've got one focus on the solution not the problem two be open-minded three try and rewire that brain so that's the whole fake it till you make a bit Number four, look at the opportunities that you can get from this change. And five, celebrate yourself. Brilliant, Jamie. Thank you very much for that. So listeners, look after yourselves as we go through the changes ahead. We're here for everyone, the leadership team. We're ready to connect. We're ready to help in whatever way we can. So thank you for listening today and tune into the next episode. That's it for this episode. We hope you can take something from this podcast to support your implementation of the Book of Dreams. Please feel free to share it and contact us if you have any questions or ideas related to it. And don't forget to tune in next time for the next episode. We'll see you then. Bye for now.